Hello everyone, welcome to WeGCast. This is episode 20. I almost fucked it up again. Uh, like This is just one of these things. Uh, this this week we've got, we're joined by the wonderful Chrissy. Hey Chrissy. Hey. And she's going to tell us about her life story. Uh, we've also got Dave. Um, Dave has got man flu, so he's going to probably be on mute for a large proportion of the podcast. He's got a cold. I don't have a man flu. A man flu. Well, it's not. It's not the COVID. It's. It's. Well, hopefully, it's not the COVID. It'd be really it's awkward. Not. I've had if, a test. It'd be really awkward if you had COVID. This goes out and then you die. I mean, obviously, don't die. That'd be really <laughs> shit. Like... You're gonna have such an awkward moment, man. If something happens to me, it's like <laughs> no, at, at least seven days. Imagine. Like, imagine. For that. <laughs> imagine your obituary. It's like, oh, well, we have Ricky cast. It was the last thing we heard, Dave. And then it's just like Andy's like, well, he died. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> My parents listen to this, man. Like my dad's going to be sending me questions. I'm sorry. But... I'm sorry, Dave's dad. And he's going to blame you. He's going to know to blame. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm loaded with the cold. So rather than having me sniffing the entire way through this, uh, I probably will um, have my mic on mute. So uh, sorry to be rude like that, Chrissy, but I will be jumping in and out with questions because there'll be no plenty bother. to talk about. Uh, but... Yes, um, I'm going to just kick off with the first question. Uh, on you go, man. Because why not? Uh, thanks for joining us, Chrissy. Um, we're on like episode 20 now, which is crazy. We've had loads of great guests, uh, and Andy's been wanting to have you on the cast for quite a while at this stage, and so have I. Um, so the way we kind of normally kick off is just get an idea of your origin story. So mm-hmm. how long have you been in the industry, and what do you do? So it's a bit of a weird one. Um, I've kind of like bounced in and bounced out and then bounced back in again. Um, so I started off in help desk and I do class that as a little bit of being in industry because uh, you have to still deal with all the same problems. Um, yeah, it started out about 20 years ago. I was uh, I'm on apprenticeship at, in help desk and working from like level one up to three. And that was quite cool uh, from there. I went into um, a bit of database architecture work, uh, working for a big pharmaceutical. I was with them for about seven years, so I ended up doing a lot of different things. Um, super, super interesting work. Um, and because I have like this little inner scientist, I, I almost felt like quite at home, like knocking about the labs and messing around with computers and stuff. The tinkerer. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was good fun there. Um, unfortunately, um, their biggest HQ, which I worked at, they decided to shut that down and pull all their operations and everything. So now they only have like a small footprint there. But um, it was kind of a good time for me because I was still quite young and um, I was I was due to have my first little one. Uh, well, second little one at that point. Sorry, <laughs> my son's gonna kill me. You forgot me, mom. <laughs> my second one at that point. Um, so yeah. Um, and I, I wanted to have a bit of downtime, so at that point I had like uh, my two uh, youngins. Uh, they're about like one was just a newborn, and the other one was about four at that point. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, what can I do in terms of carry on working? So I've always grafted, I've always worked from like leaving school um, and being really quite a practical person. Mm-hmm. So I decided to teach myself and get more like into web development and sort of client work. So I did a lot of contracting for a while. Uh, mm. So I got down the depths of that wonderful world of uh, when, and it's almost like around sort of just after the dot-com boom. And um, 
it was interesting times and it would work at such a pace like so quickly back then the technology the websites it was all really if you were to look at it now you'd be like oh my god that's terrible um uh, <coughs> it's actually quite an interesting general time period that comes up on the podcast quite a lot um just because there's so much change like something brand new evolving effectively um or at least more into the public eye with the internet and stuff so and Definitely. being able to uh, was it quite difficult being able to I'm assuming you're learning new technologies on your feet at that point. I suppose HTML maybe had been about for a while, but there must yeah. have been new po- stuff popping up left, right and centre. Yeah, because like everyone wanted dynamic kind of websites, like brochure websites to make them look cool. So you'd have Flash mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, God. and uh, all that lovely stuff. And um, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting because I think like the, the general user base of IT, um, like these days, We've got our kids kind of like they're growing into technology and back then you obviously had an older workforce who hadn't been around this kind of technology and web if you lay that on top um, was even newer never mind security as well um so there was ten like tons of consulting work back then so that done me for for quite a long time um and then i decided to uh get a job working within the financial industry and that was pretty cool. Did that for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, thing is, for me, I like to be diverse, and I, I like to explore and do different things. Um, and I think because I was quite young then, cause in my early twenties, I was kind of like just seeing what came, like come to me, um, and that job just fell on my lap. And I was like, okay, because the thing is, I, I did contracting, and then I did some contracting for them. And they're like, hey, you're good. Do you want to stay with us? And I'm like, well, okay, sure. Okay, <laughs> let's Massive do that then for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's always, always nice when folk like come back to you like, well, you, we like what you're doing, so like, yeah, yeah and it was it was lovely, and I, I worked with. I've gone from like a big corporate to then working with loads of small businesses, and I found that was like really rewarding because you have to be quite multifaceted in in terms of skill set, and you can learn on the job quite easily and you don't have half the red tape that you need to and if you want to use something or do something it was a lot easier so I really enjoyed doing that and um, a, a while into that I started getting into, involved into other things and um, somewhere along the line I, I did more contracting and then I ended up uh, getting headhunted um, to do bodyguard work which <laughs> is like a mile away from what I was doing at the time. I was going to say, like, that's qu- <laughs> quite the dramatic change, change. of direction. But. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, I was particularly good at OSINT uh, as, as what it was back then. And I mean, now at that point, we're talking in the, uh, I'd say mid 2000s, so like two, I'd say, yeah, mid to late 2000s, like 2010 ish, mm-hmm. uh, coming up towards that sort of era. Uh, so about halfway through my like 20 year journey and then um essentially i would do um they call them close protection officers and i was working with um a team and she was like hey i think you'd just be really good working with us do you want to come and like join our team and it was an all-female team and of course i was like okay it was a bit daunting because mm-hmm. i was like i wasn't qualified or trained or knew anything to do with the world but I was fascinated by it and I've always been I guess I've always had this like very inner protective instinct and I think that's probably a lot to do with my personal life as well um and so I thought yeah 
All right, I'll give it a go. Um, so I went then to go and get all my qualifications in security. And one of the things I did want to do, because I wanted to learn it from the bottom up, is I went and just, you know, I was single mum. I couldn't afford like the courses because some of these courses were like stupid amounts of money. Um, Imagine. Yeah. We're like looking at three grand upwards because you go away for, you've got like certain clothes protection courses and they're two weeks long. But the one that I went on was like a month long because it did like the traditional executive protection, but then it did the hostile environment stuff as well. So I spent an extra bit of time uh, with a load of special forces guys who came along to trial out some training and that was so much fun it was my birthday that week so we all went out and got yeah. smashed <laughs> um, so that was good when we all passed and it was my birthday as well um, so we did that element too but prior to even doing that I, I had to then like after the sort of like I knew my end goal was going to be okay I want to try this close protection stuff out and see how I get on I had to start somewhere so that was like doing door work so in order to get enough money to well, get like, onto the like close protection kind of bouncer kind of thing yeah yeah I did that <laughs> so yeah, which... no, no coming in pal no ID ah fuck off <laughs> not with those shoes and you know what for me it was fun because I'm like a single mom I, I didn't go out much back then and it was like my little release I'd go out on a Friday night and I'd get paid to go there and it was brilliant I mean it, it was a lot of fun in the fact that I had a really good team and what they would do quite interestingly enough is the women would if we had like really aggro guys or guys who were kind of showing signs of um issues they would tend to send the woman to deal with them because people think okay you get a woman bodyguard or a woman like bouncer for example she's going to deal with all the women they didn't they kind of like switched it around because we found that i had quite a pacifying effect on people um mm -hmm. i'm quite intuitive and like i'm very good at body language and reading people and that kind of stuff and i was able to kind of like de-escalate because the whole thing is what you do in security especially in the physical security world is you're trying to de-escalate that situation as quickly and as safely as possible Conflict um, resolution. Definitely. Time, Not yeah. hip throwing people into crowds, right? Aye, exactly, right? So you, you get all these doormen who are like, like build like brick shit houses and like real big tough and that. And you've got some guy coming up to you like that. Of course, it's going to get you back up. Yeah, for um, sure. Immediately on the defensive. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Definitely. So the, I had a really good team that he was like, they were all gentle giants. They really were the perfect gentlemen. It was a really nice family kind of like comradeship. Kind of atmosphere as well which was great um so i do that um at the weekends and that was a bit of extra money and a bit of fun and then um i started then getting more into um the traditional security kind of scene quite a lot of it is um seasonal work and it's the same kind of people who go to different places <clears throat> and you can do anything from like event work be it being at glastonbury reading all the festivals mm -hmm. To then uh, working on the film sets so I got to work on all the film sets as well so I worked on Batman and also um, oh, World That's War 3 as well uh, World War C that is it with Brad <coughs> and um, <clears throat> the guys would wind me up and I was on that one because I had a thing for Brad Pitt at the time and they're like uh -huh. Chrissy, he's over here. Come, come. No, he's gone now. Sorry, you must have dismissed him because. Um, what I was quite good at is like, um, just as long as, as, as well as doing the security aspect of things, just like keeping an eye on people, making sure everyone was good and they were happy. And because it's 
very long hours and you're working on really long shift patterns so you would have like you'd be working on a job for maybe like three or four weeks without a break every single day for 12 hours so people get burnt out and uh, you, geez, i can't imagine that to be honest yeah and like my core personality i think is like hyperactive little bunny i, I will like <laughs> bounce about be like you're right boys <laughs> just like have a laugh with them um so I'd go around, make sure people were okay, I'd do my, I'd like stag on, do my duties, but then also give them rest breaks so they would go off to their break and I'd just, so it's really good, it was very dynamic, I could get to be in like different parts of the film set and see everyone. Um, so that was like quite uh, cool, then we had like all the event work, so I've done like Glastonbury, um, the festivals, I've even done an event where we had, um, so the day that I had to, so I had to go and jump out of a, um, a plane, a perfectly good plane for charity. <laughs> just casually, <laughs> uh, t- today Chrissy just going to jump out of a plane. All right, yeah, no bother. Yeah. <laughs> and the first time I went, right, the first time I went, it was pissing it down and it literally, I was getting scared the whole day and I was like the last batch and then it got to our batch and it's thunder and lightning and they're like, yeah, we're not sending you up. And I was like, thank God for that. And he said, right, we're going to have to book you in next weekend. And I'm like, shit, because like on the Sunday, the, the Pope was coming over with um, all this religious festival. No, not, and was... no the plane, I hope. Just... <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but he was, he was running an event in Birmingham. And so what I had to do then was like, go jump out of a plane and then jump in the car and then go and do all the like security for this event that the Pope was going to be at. And I'm like... I'm like falling down at like 8,000 feet at that point and the guy says to me he goes oh what's your plans for today then like how you doing I'm like yeah no I'm good I'm good um so yeah um I've got to go and uh sort help sort out some stuff with the Pope later and I hope to god that they're watching <laughs> over me right now because <laughs> oh, otherwise I'm gonna be late for work <laughs> so <laughs> we were just like random stuff like that um that's incredible but, it just like you wouldn't even think of it like security and then like having to do event work with the Pope. It's not what I imagine. So really like <laughs> random things, and then you'd have stuff like um, the the one of the ones that I was most long, longer term job. So because it is seasonal, especially when you get to kind of like the bodyguard side of things, the the families will come over. You get assigned to a family and. They will pick you and you'll stay with that team and they'll come over and when they come over they'll come over like a certain amount of times a year and then you'll book yourself in that diary and you'll have it in your calendar so you know right that time of year around those weeks basically i'm probably going to be with them so i need to fill up the rest of my year now with work so what i do around the other side is i was working for um a firm who would do the security for the uh, power stations and national infrastructure and grids and stuff like that which is pretty cool and once again, a long old slog, 12 hours, we'd do six week stints, you know, you don't have a day off and then you'd probably take a week off at the end of the six weeks and um, it, it, that was really great fun because I was out in the wilderness and in the forest and um, you would have to find, like, I guess you'd have to be comfortable in your own company. Um, yeah, and because. I go out camping quite a lot, uh, and like sometimes like, I've been one or two times on your own. Like, see if you're out in the woods, like, and you don't enjoy your own company, like, uh, or you're not comfortable in it, you're gonna have some difficulty. But yeah. uh, that sounds quite tranquil in its own way. Oh, it's lovely. I mean, apart from the travellers trying to roll up all the time and nick all the steel and stuff, I mean, it was absolutely fine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was Never sort of like, um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, they were fine with me because I, I used to just have a chat with them, and they'd be like, "Ah, boys, just like leave it. At least be all right." <laughs> 
Um, plus, because I was from around the area and quite a lot of the guys weren't from around here, I knew some of the families already, so they'd leave me well alone and, and the site when I was on it. Mm. So it was quite interesting, but we had like this really long line of like a 200 mile stretch where all these pylons were going up and down the country. And it was, it was quite, you know, sensitive because we had stories of where the uh, criminals, I won't pick it, pick out any particular kind of like uh, people, but criminals would roll up onto the site and they would literally throw cables over the cables and the pylons and rip them down. Like, yeah. literally with a vehicle and just rip them so what happens then it takes out on a physical element the actual infrastructure therefore you have no electricity um and that's so they, so they could get the steel cables and all the rest of it uh we'd have stuff like that happening um so you'd uh, you'd have to be on your toes and stay quite alert so i used to love doing uh night shifts and um that was because i could actually study so what i did is like if, if you were on a night shift, you were allowed to bring a laptop, so then I could study, I could read. Um, yes, I would be out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of a forest, pitch black, and I'd have to go out and do patrols, <laughs> and there were probably murderers around, all the rest of it, you know, never mind the usual criminals. Um, but I used to love it, I used to have so much fun. Uh, and I was like the first woman to be allowed on nights, because they were worried about women being on nights in case of like, uh, risk of like death, rape, attack that sort of thing um so i was the first woman to, to be allowed for the firm to do that and then i got promoted and i was like the first woman to be put in the trucks as they would call them so you'd have a um and there was like 120 of us on the line um and you jump in the truck basically make sure you've got everything that you need to make sure everyone else is okay so it's it's almost going going in checking on them make sure they're doing the job they're not asleep that, that, that they're checking in that they've been doing the log books that they've um it's like a supervisory kind of role but mm -hmm. mainly like a sanity check just to cheer them up and make sure that they were right as well um so that was quite fun because then i was up and down and then you'd also respond to alarms so if any of the alarms went off you would have to then drive it like as fast as you legally could to that site to to <laughs> deal with the problem and <laughs> um, so didn't about that but the good thing is, is sort of when i was doing that job it gave me downtime to study and learn and it was kind of during those times when i was like stuck in a a, a metal box for 12 hours I was like right what do I want to do with my life and I was like you know what? I want to get into uh, back into IT again and I started exploring it and um, I stumbled up, uh, across social engineering because one of the lads on the, the um, job gave me a book <clears throat> called The Game and it's all about social engineering and uh, obviously it was like a an interest with us all anyway because we like that whole like physical intuition kind of like reading people sort of stuff so definitely we'll a link that. in there between the kind of uh it's just to do with people really isn't it social engineering yeah. like i can't imagine it's that far a skill set away from the stuff you were doing on the doors like it's not at all whatsoever even in the normal so it gets even more in depth when you do close protection work because you have to read people from a distance and you have to mm. read people from afar and be able to de-escalate if anything happens like so basically if it gets to the point that your client is in danger you've already messed up uh you haven't identified the threat and stopped it or prevented it or and you, you basically you don't stand there being like bruce lee and kicking someone's ass you, you take your client out of that environment and you put them somewhere safe and it, it that kind of like is constantly when you're doing the training and stuff it's like drilled into your head so you have to be really super hyper aware and like mm -hmm 
believe me, when when you're sitting in a cabin for 12 hours at a time in the night and you hear like the littlest noise, you become super aware after a while. <laughs> so um, it kind of like get, gets built into you. But yeah, I just started reading books about that and then listening to podcasts and I came across um, some stuff uh, like by Chris Hageny and there was some OSINT stuff there. So I started to actually write out my own um OSINT course whilst I was in the cabin because I was really interested in OSINT. I was quite good at it. I'd done stuff previously in that area. So I was like, right, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to write some training materials for my guys because uh, there's quite a lot of people who were interested in it within the physical security realm. Um, anyway, I ended up falling down like this little rabbit hole, meeting up with people and speaking to them about things and then kind of like had a little circle then and... Um, getting involved in a few things there and then I kind of made the jump uh, and I was and my company who I was working for were really supportive um, at the time because they used to come to my cabin like my boss and my boss's boss and I'd sit there with like loads of books and like hot <laughs> files all around me like whilst the rest of the lads would be sitting there with their like their, their lunch bag and their laptops <laughs> I'd be like sat there in study mode you know they'd be cool with it. and they're like so they actually supported me to be like right yeah you know what are your plans and what are you thinking of doing? So I was like, I'm going to go back to uni. And like, I was in my late 20s at this point. So a working mom, it was quite hard, you know. So I was doing 12 hour shifts. Um, I'd have to drive sometimes like three hours a day. So like an hour and a half to London, do my 12 hour shift, do another hour and a half drive back, see the kids for a bit, go to sleep, make dinner wake up the next day at 4am and then drive to London again. And then after a period, and you do that for like six weeks at a time, your brain turns into jelly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, right, I need to graft and I need to save up enough money because I needed to get the money so I could actually afford to go to uni. Um, so I did that. And yeah, and like alongside doing that sort of like infrastructure kind of security role, um, I was doing bodyguard work as well. So when the families would come over, um, I was sat on task and I would be doing a lot of the night shift work. So I'd, I'd be RST and um, you do your normal patrols, residential security, make sure like windows, doors, everything's all good. And then when you're in a hotel environment, you would then do your risk assessments um, of the staff, of the environment, make sure that there's no bugs or anything like that around, that the um, facilities basically are secure um, whilst they're in transit. And my main role would be to kind of like do a lot of the, the nighttime work. So I'd be preparing the girls for the next day. So I do a lot of recce reports, recon, figuring out stuff. Once again, using those OSINT schools. Um, so is that, is that like kind of finding, well, I suppose if you're protecting like a VIP, finding exits and entryways and kind of reading rooms kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, a bit of that. Um, making sure that there was no protests or any sort of like civil unrest in the area because sometimes you get events going on in London and that would obviously, that would impact the route of the car and the vehicles because uh, you'd have multiple. And, you know, sometimes if, depending on where you were, the security element of it wasn't as much of an issue because they would have their own, it was quite a big family. So you'd have the their security team. You'd also have the governmental security team. Then you'd have the surveillance and counter surveillance. So that's just like you're kind of like four layers even before you get to the female team who were with the actual principal at the time um wow. so you're there in case they get through those like, like layered defense in a sense sometimes so and it wasn't like that all the time it depends on the situation you know time of year 
um, what the current situation was with the geopolitical state as well. Um, so our main, you know, a lot of it is just to make sure that the, that you are glorified PAs um, to say it. <laughs> Um, but with a little bit of security thrown in, so should she hit the fan, the fan you know, you got a two, you know. Um, so I did a lot of like the the icing and I had to make sure that everything for the next day was all good for the girls and they knew what they were doing in their team. And that was pretty cool. Um, and then during the night, I would have uh, the one of the clients, he would come out and he'd be like, hey, can you fix my Apple TV or can you fix this for me? And because... <laughs> And it kind of got me thinking because I'd go in, set up the staff, have to, because I was like the techie on the team, blatantly, right? <laughs> there's, there's like a Venn diagram of like people in security on like the physical side and people in IT. And there is a crossover and I was sort of like in that little bit. Um, yeah. So I'd go in and it, it kind of like dawned on me then as well. I was like, okay, well, this doesn't feel very secure. And because, you know, it's in my head at that point. So then I was like, right, okay, well, maybe I can do something with this. So that combined with the sort of like the other sort of talks I was having around the social engineering then led me into, I want to go to uni, um, went to uni, had, and I'm sorry, we're still on the first question. And I'm so, like, That's fine. No, this is fascinating. No, it's incredibly interesting. <laughs> this, is this is literally what we do the cast for. It's to hear how people got started. And this is a really yeah. original one. So please keep yeah. going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of like fell into the scene, like the infosec scene during um, my uni days, because obviously you Google about, you find out about B size and community and that sort of stuff, and then you end up going to things. So ended up going to like my first B size, um, but um, that was pretty cool. And then like during, I think it was like maybe two thousand and fifteen, I went over to Black Hat. Uh, Amsterdam so through my connections uh, with the social engineering lot um, I managed to get um, a, um, a sponsorship uh, they said I'll apply for this sponsorship with Black Hat and you can get a ticket and you can go out and then on top of that I managed to actually get the uh, training as well which was brilliant and because basically I mean at the, the, back then you know I was a really hard working mum I was on my ass half the time <laughs> skin I couldn't afford going to Amsterdam or like the training because it's stupidly pricey so I really do appreciate that and the people that helped me up, out back then um, and it was it was fascinating because I went and I was sort of like I just fell in love completely with the industry and I know what Black Hat's like you know it's quite commercial but the training I was sat there and I'm in a room of like 30 other people. It was my first time out to Amsterdam um, as an adult. I'd never really been traveling outside of the country by myself without the kids and everything. So it was a really nice, cool experience for me. And then I like, went to do the training. So we did a lot of training, like covered stuff like Montego. Um, <clears throat> and and we ended up like on this, on the last day, having this big CTF where we were given a, a target. There was like an inside threat in a company he was uh, a terrorist and you had to figure out. So it was a, a little bit of like forensics, um, OSIN, um, kind of like hypothesis of, of who it could possibly be. And like anyways, Cluedo. Yeah, Cluedo in a sense. <laughs> yeah, Cluedo for investigators. <laughs> um, but we had, we had um, a bunch of people there. So what was quite funny, Chris Hadjani made all the females in the... Uh, there was 30 of us and he made the five females the team leads and I'm like this shy girl who yeah okay I'm like, I might be a complete bloody badass but I felt so <laughs> out of my depth um, 
And I was like, right then, I'm team leader. Okay, I got this. Uh, what's the worst that can happen? And so we did it. And then the whole day, everybody else, so you could go up as many times as you wanted, the whole teams, right? And give your person. And and these other teams, I could see them all going up. And I'm like, so I'm working with this Russian dude, right? And um, there was about three other people on the team. And it's me and the other guys on the team didn't exactly agree on who we thought it was. So me and this Russian dude sort of like, we did go deep down and looked at like the, the file forensics and sort of like the names and a lot of stuff. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's this guy. And he's like, yeah, I know. And then the other guys were like, no, well, we're pretty sure it's this guy. I'm like, okay, well, um, we can go up and I'm happy to take a vote. And I said, we'll, we'll go with your decision. There's more of you than there is of us. That's absolutely fine. So by this time, everyone else and all the other teams had been up once already. And um, I was like, you know, pity stomach. Like, oh, yeah, we're not going to win this. <laughs> and then we've gone up. Mm -hmm. And then they've turned around and said, yeah. Um, so we think it's this guy. And like Chris, like, yeah, okay. Who? How? Why do you think that? And they explain the reason. And then he's like, no. And then the Russian guy spoke up, and he was like, actually, we've got another idea of who it could be. And he's like, okay, who? So we explained why. And he's like, yeah. Congratulations, you've won. I was like, fucking A. <laughs> like, it goes to show you, like, your gut feeling. Like, I'm sure that's something you're used to, again, from security, going yeah. with your gut, because you don't have much of a choice. But, yeah, sometimes I, you just got to go with it, if you believe. Well, yeah, exactly. And I, you know what? I was blown away, because I was like, hang on a minute, everybody else in this room has <laughs> all gone up, and they've given their wrong answer, and yet we've got it. Like, I mean, this like, little Russian dude managed to get it. And I was just like, that's awesome. <laughs> and that feels like that's just, amazing, yeah. Yeah, uh, but so I ended up getting my first ever, um, so I got a Black Hat Challenge coin, first ever CTF coin, and that was pretty sick. Um, but it gave me that confidence to be like, right, I'm actually probably doing the right thing here. Yeah. So continued through with uni. Um, when I hit 30, though, um, I got very ill. Um, I've got a brain condition, which completely messed me up for about uh, at least two years. Um, I, I like so sometimes I still have problems with it now like my speech and my cognition and my reading and my writing and stuff but I've got like a herniation of the brain that happens when you're about 30 it just randomly happens you know um, you're born with it and then it can happen when you're 30 and it did to me um, knocked me off my feet I've got that to look forward to then three years to go I will hopefully you don't have it <laughs> so, <laughs> fingers crossed yeah. So yeah, um, I have this condition and yeah, it made me quite ill and it kind of like came on the same time. I think it was about six months into me being at uni and all of a sudden I go to uni, I get all these headaches, I start feeling really shit. I just think it might be me and working environment and different, you know, obviously I'm going to uni all day and coming home, dealing with kids and then going back in every day. And I just thought it was that. And then they did all like these barrage of tests on me because it got quite bad. And they're like, oh, actually, no, you know what? You're quite broken. Um, <laughs> 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 Not only have you got like, so I've got like Kyrie malformation and I'm, I'm fully reformed now. Uh, and I had to go through a whole load of physio and work and everything and like try not to be complete mong um but i had <laughs> <laughs> can i say that it's it's weaky cast like we, we say <laughs> a hell of a lot worse we have said much worse <laughs> really really sorry really sorry um so if i've offended anyone didn't mean that but that was the status play i was like laying on my sofa i could not move for days yeah sometimes it was really bad and it's like so the time i said oh no you know what else you've got adhd you've got uh, dyslexia, 
you're definitely on the spectrum, no doubt about that. You've got light <laughs> flickering sensitivity, you've got Mears Islands, and I'm like, holy shit, I am broken as fuck. You said broken the last. <laughs> like, how do I deal with this? You know, like, you get told you have ADHD at 30, and you're like, shit. But, yeah. but like, you know what the positive that is? They give you a blue badge, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, they don't. They <laughs> don't. <laughs> I couldn't even get one from a uni for the car parking. It was bloody a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I hit rock bottom at that point. I really did. Um, I was not well, and I, I dropped out, you know, and that was the only thing I could do. Um, I really, that's, that's, that's all I could do, you know. It was a case of I need to take a step back, think about and reassess my, my like, life choices because, mm -hmm. you know, I, it was like an almost uh, a kick in the balls. And that's like the first time I guess I've really been that low. Um, <clears throat> so I spent about six months sorting myself out, just taking some time out. I mean, I'd, I'd literally just been working for the last 10 God years, like self-employed, contracting, working single parent, going and doing all these amazing things, having this like crazy ass life to then having this blocker in my life. And it yeah. did take me a little bit of time just to readjust and to think, right, okay, but... One of the things I, I mean, I've had a difficult life and I won't go into my personal business on here, but every time that I've ever had anything like that happen before, um, I've always used pain into productivity. That's the way I, I, I say it, is like I will channel that that badness, that, that, that pain, that where I am and it, like that kicking the balls into, right, I'm gonna go out and like smash it. I'm gonna just put that somewhere positive rather than just dwell on it and internalize and get depressed. Take that energy and put it into action. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's the only thing I can do. Um, and so that's what I did. And, and it, it was a like a huge, like a massive thank you to um, a friend of mine who was from the security world. And um, he said, hey, you know, how are you doing? Stuff so we started talking, he's saying about going into cybersecurity himself. And I'm like, that's really cool. Like he had already been within that area, but he wanted to get... Um, qualified in uh, like a master's and so evidently he was like hey i'm gonna do this master's do you fancy doing it and i'm like <laughs> um let me think about that yeah all right and then we looked into it and we looked at like obviously my pr previous history and the stuff that i'd done and you know i'd done a lot of studying anyway and sort of knew what i knew what i needed to um so uh, i've ended up going into then edinburgh napier um as a master's student and that was brilliant for me because during that time in my life, it was part time. Um, it was from home, so I didn't have to travel anywhere. And it gave me a chance to sort of like rebuild my physical strength and sort of like sort my health out and everything. Um, and the balance. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And like after about six months of being there, something must have happened to me. Like, because I turned into the. <laughs> <laughs> happened to my brain in a good way and I, believe me they've been down sides of the brain condition but there are some really good sides um i got asked by bill buchanan to take part in a uh the cyber security challenge the ctf and i was i used to really like crypto i thought it was really cool and i loved the way he would teach and he was very visual and he did videos and it just really suited my learning style and i was like sure okay i had never done anything like that before it was during our exam season as well which was brilliant but um i ended up getting like 90 percent on my crypto exam the same week so i was like okay i might be all right at this okay um, <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure i turned into the rain man or like whoever is that like, beautiful <laughs> mind guy who can like see shit 
yeah. <laughs> equations everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, brain. Um, but essentially, like, what's happened, I guess, is um, I then started getting very good at pattern recognition and things. So um, the crypto side of the challenge, um, there was a very specific one, and none of the rest of the team could do it, were doing it, and we well, could do it, and I, I did it, and I smashed it, and. Um, there was myself, Peter A.B. and Charlie Solis. There was only a small team, three of us, and we ended up beating and, and winning the cybersecurity challenge. And that was like beating uh, other universities like the Royal Holloway and all these other guys. And I'm like, oh my god, you know, I'm not that. a complete that, that's fucking like, awesome idiot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> and that, that was another confidence booster. You know, it, all it was, it was a case of you are doing the right thing. This is like mm. a check-in in your life. You are doing the right thing. You're in the right place. Is that boundary you kind of felt like you kind of crossed there that's yeah. been in the way a blocker? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it'd be quite a revelation. Like, that's yeah. incredible. I, lo- I love, love these stories. I didn't, yeah. didn't realise as well that you were... So the, the two people you just mentioned there actually used to work with one of them and know, I know Charlie really well, but I didn't realise that you were at the same the same point. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> many, many revelation mid-podcast. Uh, Charlie's brilliant. I've got this thing about him. He's like, they won't let me have the source code. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he used to say. He's brilliant. I love that guy. Um, it was, uh, yeah, so that was a brilliant time back then. I made some really good people at, um, at Napier. And, you know, I love them all dearly. And it's nice because they are part of the InfoSec community as well. So I've gone up there and I've done like NUSEC, given talks and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, right. Where are we at? We're at. I've done my master's program, and uh, I'm loving this. This uh, is so. Obviously, we 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 have the questions as like a baseline, but this is really incredibly interesting. Going through the whole <laughs> whole flow, because like I, for for background for listeners, I've known Chrissy for a long time, but like a lot of people's backstories you don't hear until you actually ask the questions, and it never comes well, up you in don't, conversation. Yeah. So it's really a conversation that you literally sit down and have someone so directly, like. Um... And like, yeah, because you really don't, you, you can look at someone and you can think they're incredible, like, which I do all the time in this industry. Dave, you are and incredible. You, keep, keep. And, oh, you oh. are, Dave. You are incredible. <laughs> it's just. Even with a cold. But you do, like, you talk to these people and then you just don't even realise, like, these amazing stories that, you know, underlie everything they've done before. So, uh yeah, so you've got to uni. You've got yeah, over that. Uni. You've got the boundary. Oh, and I'm just looking at the clock. I literally have like four minutes no, to no, bring no, up we've, today. We've got, we've got plenty of time. So I, I, oh, I, are we uh, good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my call at night has been shifted to tomorrow, so I've got plenty of time. Excellent. Cool. Nice. Right. So during my uni days, um, it, life got interesting. My house got flooded and I got completely wiped out. Oh, no <laughs> Just before dissertation season. Yay. Um, what, what happened? Um, so essentially the, there's like a container that's up in the roof and I'd gone to 44Con um, that evening. I've gone with my son and left my, my um, daughter here with my sister and her boyfriend and basically he went and had a shower. Something happened and essentially the overflow pipe thingy didn't work and it was raining literally inside my house which wiped out everything because she couldn't figure out how to turn everything off and it just once it done it it was once it kind of like broke it broke and that was it it was just raining um so i ended up having to spend about eight weeks of my life living in a travel lodge uh which was fantastic um there are other hotel chains available by the way Um, but yeah, so that was great. So I had to like defer my dissertation for a while because it worked me out financially and mentally. And I, I just had to, 
sort my life out because I, I nearly moved house at that point and um, I didn't in the end but it was a case of okay but it was a good break that I needed because it made me refocus my area of where I wanted to do my dissertation so I did my dissertation on the like on the area of um, creating a online learning platform for defense people so it's the you know how you have like you hack the box and everything this mm -hmm. is kind of like the inverse it's for the blue side it's for the 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 developers it's it was before like play people like secure code warrior were about and uh stuff like that i think they were just about coming up at that point there was a lot of stuff that was um very uh, dry very word-based because when it came to the practical side of hacking when it came to hacking it's very much these are practical tools there's things that you can do like hands-on and I'm like dyslexic and I love visual stuff and I love audio stuff so I wanted something that I could learn from in a sort of like a more of defensive kind of way because mm -hmm. I've always had that inner like protector in me I knew I was going to go into the blue side as per se but uh, so what I did is I did my dissertation on that. Um, I got a distinction for it, but it was pretty uh, basic in the sense of like it, it, it just did a kind of like a, it had an integrated IDE. So you could log on to the platform and you could amend the code in real time, have it show up and then you could go ahead and hack it to make sure that it was secure. But it kind of showed developers how that life cycle of like codes, you know, like the, the secure development life cycle, as you would, um, against a concept which was a proof concept for XXS um, but it kind of made me realize okay I like this stuff and I thought I was going to go down into the web area um, and that was kind of like my obviously marrying up my web dev days with security just seemed like a natural progression to go into sure. Um, and then I had one of my old firms contact me when they found out that I graduated from uni um, they said, hey, you know, we, there's this whole GDPR thing happening soon and uh, we need to do something about it because we haven't done anything yet and we don't even know where to start. <laughs> and I was like, right, fair one. And they're like, do you want to come work for us? And I was like, fine. So I ended up then going to work for um, close protection firm uh, for two years. And that essentially was going in, doing a full implementation of taking them out of the dark age of, of using one login on a single account for a cloud-based solution that would hold all of their data. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, it was bad. And, yeah, and, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying that, but it's because the fact is um, they, they were doing the best that they could and what they knew what to do and sort of like that kind of, um, that was a set, set standard, you know, there, there was no GDPR prior to that. There was no, you had Data Protection Act and of course that's in place, but they wanted to do better um, and it was a very high risk environment and obviously when you have like high risk um, high profile clients there's the possibility there that you could be at risk of like blackmail data exfiltration you know even as bad as assassination if they knew the whole logistics of the um oh, yeah, suppose you, route yeah stuff you don't think about why well, i suppose it's the stuff you see in the films where they they track down the yeah. the, the, well, the vip or yeah and then they and, do stuff and I, I mean i'm i don't know how many security companies out there have been attacked but i'm pretty sure that it's going to happen if it hasn't happened already yeah. and it's a this is where i start to then merge my head into the whole physical cyber systems because 
I was acutely aware of sort of like the data risk and also the personal risk and then they asked me to come in to do the, the GDPR stuff and then also the technical implementation so I had to go and do all the data protection stuff so I'm a trained data protection officer but I'm also um, I went in and redone all of their architecture so we put them in a secure environment in in terms of as best as possible no one's 100% secure but a solution that would actually help them grow as a business as well so it wasn't like here's your solution, you're locked down, you can't do anything. It was, here's your solution, it's going to help you grow as a business and give you better opportunities. Yeah. Um, so we shifted them all to the cloud, architected all that, um, implemented it all, did all like the IASM governance where you're kind of like, you're ticking your boxes, but at the same time testing it. Um, so at, at, at the point of sort of like the end of that journey, it did take quite a long time. Um, because during that process, we also had to do like a website redevelopment. So I didn't do the development myself, but I project managed it working with a, another firm. So I had to do procurement, get the whole like a web, <laughs> get a website firm who could develop a, a website that I was happy with. Because at that point I was like, right to my boss, I'm like, we ain't getting no Tom, Dick and Harry design this website. It's going to be secure. It's going to have this. It's going to have that. It's going to have, it's like, all right, fair, fair. You t- he's like, you pick who you want. And, and he's like, as long as it looks good and it does the job, and like, he's happy. But I'm like, grilling these guys in the interview process. And like, literally that was my top requirement was the, the security of the website. Because I'm like, how can we go out and be a security company if our own shit isn't together? exactly what you're saying that security companies realistically should practice what we preach and definitely i i would probably i'd be lying if i said not all companies do practice what they preach and i've I've worked with a like i've worked with a lot of clients from the offensive security perspective and a lot of clients that we've worked with will have internal security teams and they're not practicing what they're telling their clients to do and that's just Mm kind of what happens but going back to what you were saying about security companies being popped at some point there was that stuff earlier on this year with uh, foreign nation state targeting security researchers i think that's going to be on the rise like supply chain is going to be on the rise and all this fun stuff but that's not the that's not the topic of this podcast but hey yeah i mean this is the thing it's there and you know our servers were getting hit up every day yeah you know i had to drill training into my like so my team were like a mixture of military special forces and like general security guys and that was our core like admin team and management of operations but then you'd also have all the close protection guys on the ground who were in client estates and in client environments and we had to make sure that their practices that they were carrying out on site was secure as well um it's almost like a you know trickle down effect so i'd have to write all the sops for those guys and i think we were probably one of the only companies out there actually actively doing that because i was so conscious of that coming back up the chain from so if you think about it we had like hundreds and hundreds of bodyguards on the books and they would send us their cvs they would send us their emails invoices any of those could have got popped and believe me they they would <laughs> there were guys that had like got uh, had problems and um even our own supply chain had problems and then i've had to step in and be like okay this is how you deal with it go about this dun 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 and it, we had to kind of like <clears throat> almost build this like little secure shell around ourselves to protect us from our even our own people because of that whole third party risk um and that was incredibly important for us as well um and i, I hope that that kind of mentality is something that transfers to other companies and in, in the because i guess they wanted to like lead by example in a sense um 
but you know we didn't shout above the rooftops about it either um, but it's something that if I ever go back and do talks and I've been asked to do talks in the security industry physical security industry it's something I'd like to kind of like uplift and speak to them about you know um, that kind of like chain of of compromise how like your third party risk that how your guys that are working for you could bring risk into your company or into your client estate if they join the wi-fi you know there's all these like little things that i don't think is well, on the the top of their mind yeah it's actually quite an interesting topic like introducing this is a topic i was having discussion with a client the other day one of the things when you obviously you've got supplier risk and a lot of companies will do supply chain analysis so if they're bringing companies in to do x y and z they'll they'll do a risk assessment but one of the things that i've found having worked i'm now working in the kind of red and purple sphere is companies that bring consultancies in to do like red or purple teaming often disregard the risk i'm not saying that all companies do this but they'll disregard the risk of bringing in a consultancy because you are bringing somebody in to test your security from a very hardcore offensive security perspective and they're going to find ways into the network but one of the things that the point i'm getting to one of the points that that's kind of came up recently is that that introduces additional risk into your network that you might not necessarily been otherwise aware of like yeah. going back to what we were discussing a couple of minutes ago about the security companies getting popped if a red team or a purple team find a way into your network what's to stop a threat actor piggybacking on that connection yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's something that's quite interesting or even popping the threat popping the uh, security company and leveraging that to compromise clients like that if i was a bad guy that's what i'd be doing right now and if if you're a bad that's guy and you're right. listening fuck you you're dicks <laughs> like this is i haven't i've tried not to be too vocal about certain things that i know about the security industry and the holes because that's another thing as well it it would make easy pickings for some people um and that's sort of like so i, I did um a set of talks about tech enabled crime and sort of like went into the physical i, I guess your physical security it's it's, it's funny because like red team into the physical security world is a little bit different to the red team into the like penetration testing world well i think there is crossover i think red team so yeah i mean i've had this discussion with a lot of people and having joined a firm that do the 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 combination of the three of actual red teaming red teaming seems to have merged into like more offensive pen testing in the in the digital sphere but realistically red teaming is you've got your physical you've got your social and you've got your your electronics so you've got breaking in like physically breaking in like black ops style shit breaking through the skylights you've got mm-hmm. the social engineering where you're calling people up or you're you're sms phishing or you're emailing and then you've got the digital aspect of things where you're attempting to breach the perimeter from a application perspective or for through firewalls and things and companies that incorporate those three are they are carrying out properly like proper red teams yeah yeah you to be honest from what you've just described there basically describes the entire 53 minutes beginning this podcast like in your skill set no somebody else has said that before they're like why don't you go into red teaming and i'm like mm-hmm. because there's another side we haven't spoken about yet <laughs> yeah. um which kind of takes precedence uh, i so like during i guess from i i guess people got to know me within information security scene i've been knocking about and i've been going to like little meetups in dark dingy pubs in london with a bunch of like hackers and whatever for for a fair few years now um and i i so i was i was supposed to go 
to uh, CCC back in 2017 and that Christmas I got incredibly ill my kids did and um, I, I couldn't go in the end in fact like one of my kids nearly died because of it um, and it shit me up and I swear to god knock me for six and I, it was like the lowest I'd been like and literally I had to pick myself up after that and I uh, ended up getting the job at the uh, close protection firm at, uh, after speaking to the guys at a conference sort of thing and then literally that night that they offered me the job I hadn't been checking my phone of course because I was stuck in London and all the tubes and stuff but I got back home and checked my phone the next day and essentially what happened was is that because I didn't go out to CCC I was going to go out there by myself so I started reaching out into the community um, around like just before Christmas time and I was like right I'm going out I need to make friends let's make some friends before I go out there and kind of get, like, get to know people and I was quite lucky enough uh, to stumble across some friends who knew people and other people it was a group of people who were going out there um, who are some quite decent names in industry uh, and uh, Andy's one of them who are all part of this like little <laughs> network and um, we were all part of this like little signal group anyway so I got invited the same night it must have been something in the moon or the stars or whatever but I came home checked my phone the next day and I noticed I had a message from these people and they were like hey so I, you know obviously we know you couldn't come out to CCC for obvious reasons and we hope you're all better now and you're okay but would you like to become like part of our little group on Signal where we've got a bunch of people who went out to CCC and a bunch of people who like that we know and we're all going to just like hang out on Signal and maybe have some meets up in the future and stuff. I'm like yeah cool let's do that um so I started talking to those guys and I knew a few people. I guess I knew um, pockets of people, you know, but nobody who was like well known in, in, in industry as, as far as I could tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, so all of these people in this group were all actual speakers in industry. Uh, so you had people like Zoe Rose. Uh, I think Zeph was in there. You had... Um, a few other people as well I, I won't name drop them all but <laughs> essentially what they were like was uh, right missus we're all going to go and speak at Beesize London and you're coming you're coming along you're coming yeah. you're coming along I, I remember that conversation actually <laughs> that's where it all changed yeah. <laughs> that's where it all changed and they were like yeah you got to do it and I'm like fuck I've got to go and talk <laughs> I've never done anything like this before ever like never publicly spoke um, and so I had to go and do a rookie talk and then what I did in preparation for the rookie talk um, is I went to a conference hacked a body, load of bodyguards just like for fun and then ended up doing a talk on it so then I ended up going doing a 15 minute talk on the, the whole proof of concept around this whole uh, this whole event so uh, essentially what happened was we were doing a proof of concept uh, where we went uh, how would you go about hacking a bodyguard and that sort of uh, tech enabled crime the sort of because people found it was quite interesting you know the whole physical security element of things but what do you do if you, you pawn one of the security um, so I, um, I I had to go to the, one of these like very prestigious um, high security events there's bloody Gurkhas on the door man like it was inside a military hotel <laughs> and I'm sat there and essentially what I did is I set up a 
And please, I do, uh, do not advise at all anybody <laughs> ever do this in the future, right? I could get away with it because I was known in the industry. You get caught out when you're doing this. You're in trouble, right? <laughs> Physically in trouble. I'm so curious where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, I, I um, set up a, a conference stall and the conference stall had USBs and had a mixture of devices and stuff like uh, the Wi-Fi pineapple, um, all these different things. I also created a website that would capture information and then from that information you could go and do OSINT on those people because they don't, there is a mindset of security to a certain degree but then they're very good at their own per sec um, as personal security um, but not all of them and I think some of the cases with these guys is social media, especially Facebook um, because what happens is there's like a little mini ecosystem where they've all, all been in the military and Facebook's quite a big thing to some degree to keep in contact with family and friends and stuff but then there's these like people who post jobs and you know I've seen instances where people put their mobile phone number yeah I'm interested here's my number like on public posts within yeah. close protection groups and stuff so there is a whole talk around um, that aspect of like how went to this conference you know i could have been nefarious i could have put nasty things on the usbs but i did have like a a ping back so i showed the results of how many people opened up the the pdfs and that stuck to the usbs in their their, their computers um i also went into you know what we could have actually done we had this and equipment on the table we've gone there as a sort of like hey we're cyber security people you know look at our cool toys do you want to find out more information and come to our training courses please give us your details but they don't know for bad or good you know that is so cheeky <laughs> i know right but i could get away with it and it was a proof of concept as in you know i, I obviously wouldn't plus i knew the i knew the conference organizers so um i was not going to do anything nefarious in any way but it was like almost like this is what could happen and it's not until you do this stuff that you can turn around and be like, this is what could happen, and we did it. Um, so essentially, my first rookie talk was about that and ended up winning the B-Size rookie track. And then it's been madness, absolute madness since then. Um, I've done loads of talks all over the place. So, um, and I guess it's interesting, right? Because a lot of this is <clears throat> all the talks all the training I've done, all the like crazy hacking and going out to CTFs and everything, it's all been off my own back. It's nothing to do with my professional career. It's nothing to do with my work. It's everything I've done in my weekends, my evenings. I just threw myself at it. Like, obviously, like I said earlier on, I get kicked in the balls, I get back up again. I throw that pain into something and that's what I do. And that's what I did in that regard. Um, <clears throat> so I ended up like getting, just it, it just snowballed. It was a bit mental, really. Uh, mental two years of just, going to conferences, getting asked to do talks. I ended up winning various awards. So, um, what have I won? Um, Just casual. I've won all these awards. I'm fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. Do you know what? It's so awkward sitting here and thinking, God, I'm sat talking about myself. <laughs> no, that's, I might, it might be weird for sure. But like at the same time, like that's why we, we literally do this cast. It's, yeah. and we're talking to Joe about this. It's about you know yeah. c- celebrating our successes. And we don't always get the opportunity to do it. So, it's always humble, like, uh, but we, we love hearing about it. And so it's listeners. great to hear. Yeah, it, it, just for you saying it, it's great to hear from folks. Like, everyone we've had on is is either been someone that Dave or I has... Dave Dave or I? Dave or I has known. Uh, I mean, most of the time it's people that I know, people that, people that I rub shoulders with in the industry. But it's incredible to hear the backstories. And yeah, it's, it's an opportunity to say, like, 
you're fucking cool. You people are you're you're good at what you do, and clearly, clearly you're doing something right. Or you've you've done you've done a lot of things right. And anyway, wait, yeah. so yeah, sure. Yeah. What you awards have you got then? Um, so I've got the ISC squared up and coming security professional for 2019. Um, I got obviously the black. So it started with the black. I need to go and look at my LinkedIn or some shit. Uh, <laughs> black hat challenge coin. Then I won like uh, the cyber security challenge. B sides London rookie track. Um, oh god, I feel so bad. I need to actually go and look at my LinkedIn. Otherwise, I'm going to offend people. Um, uh, the yeah, that's what I can remember at the moment. Uh, but it was just a mad crazy two years of um yeah i guess if anyone's interested just go and have a look at my linkedin <laughs> we'll add it to the show notes there's like a whole like uh, like montage of shit that i've done um yeah then i got invited oh yeah i also took part in the pragdan international ctf um and t- placed top five that was pretty cool because uh, I love my CTFs, like literally a rabbit hole for days on that stuff. I, I have actually been dumped because I took part in the cybersecurity challenge because I was too nope. interested in taking part in the challenge <laughs> rather than going out for dinner. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> so that I was find the- you somebody <clears throat> that says that's absolutely fine. You go get that flag. Like that, so. Exactly. I no, need to find no, someone with the appreciation. Don't find. No. Never, never a date in the industry. It's never a good idea. No. <laughs> Find someone who can appreciate the rabbit holing moments where I'm just like, you know what, I'm gonna disappear for three days now. Are you good? Right, in a bit. And be fine with it when I come back. Um, I tend to do that quite a bit, to be fair. Um, yeah, like uh, it's just been really interesting for years, and I even I think it was quite funny. Um, you know, I things have come to me by chance, um, and by I guess just followed by my interests. Um, so like I, I've done some work with. Uh, Larry Cashdollar, he did some stuff with, so he works for Akamai and I did a um, a report with him which was quite interesting. And it just came about, like I saw some of the work that he did a write-up on a particular attack, so I did some work on it and it was like my first time of actually writing up any sort of like research stuff in, in his regard of like within InfoSec at that point. I had done some previous work in um, visual analysis of malware and uh, reverse engineering sort of like ugh, that's a whole other rabbit hole to talk about when I was at uni I, I, I did a placement with that steganography and polyglot stuff as well um, yeah. but it was really nice to just sit down with somebody who was in industry and, and get a report together and figure out okay how how do you go about informing the people of the problem because the problem was actually um, impacting hundreds of thousands of websites so we went through this process of trying to inform people and like people weren't just really responding very well because quite a lot of it was like quite low hanging fruit but I also had a discussion with people at like CDNs and also like the JavaScript um, uh, the the people who had all the code at that high level who probably had the um, ability to change the version to something newer that was being copied from but we figured out that the actual problem wasn't too it was like a file upload vulnerability but it wasn't too much to do with them it's more to do with the architecture of the server and the way that was set up um but that was really quite interesting and i've done like uh that went on the threat intelligence blog um i've written for detectify those are a bunch of really great guys i've gone out and done um some stuff with those guys out in um, amsterdam did some talks on um my first year of research of basically uh, my first year of pain <laughs> where I found a load of stuff so I fell down the rabbit hole of, of bug bounty and 
and I, I loved it because I was like right okay I'm gonna do all this web stuff how do I go about becoming a, a web hacker and um, ended up discovering Bug Bounty and did some work with Hacker One. I've been out to their Las Vegas events, UK, London events. You've been their poster um, girl. I've been their poster girl on the Twitter. Oh my God. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> You're um, yeah. with a celebrity today. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's when you go on Hacker One and you see your, your face on their Twitter banner above them and you're like, oh, what? <laughs> and then you get absolutely ripped for it as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that. But I, I love taking part in their events. It's all about the people. And I mean, they, they were great. I mean, but you know, everything comes with its challenges. And so like the first year of kind of like doing the whole bug bounty and um, it was a struggle because I came across some really interesting finds. So. Um, I discovered some stuff in Microsoft in the SharePoint and like the Office 365 environment and then that led to like six months of pain of trying to get reported. It then went through <clears throat> a process of yeah oh this is really bad and yep you're going to be in the Microsoft Hall of Fame to then no we're not going to do anything about it because it's more of a kind of like a business decision rather than a security problem and I literally had People contact me like just go and do a talk on it and get out there because it's the sort of stuff that security sysadmins needed to know about. And had I, like, I didn't purposely go and find that. Like, I was doing my work as a sysadmin and sort of like architecturing and implementing these like solutions. And I discovered it and I'm like, shit, that shouldn't happen. And so yeah. I, I wrote like freaking nine different reports for the stuff. And yeah, so unfortunately, that. Uh, it gave me a really good learning lesson in the whole process and you see all these people who are out there on Twitter and they're, they're getting all the monies and you know having that kind of like bug bounty hacker lifestyle and it isn't like that you know there is a lot of hard work that goes into that underneath the surface that you probably don't appreciate or see and it's probably got harder since I did it because the market's probably got um, a lot more people on it doing it um, I can imagine with COVID that must be the case um, and I found another one in which is quite interesting because I found that by accident so I was looking up some stuff on and I had a VPN on at the time and then my VPN started crapping out and then it was it was after GDPR had implemented um, and there was a whole bit of noise around the registrars and that they had to not list all of the registrant details anymore it had mm. to be like completely gone that was it redacted now, can't they? yeah completely redacted and so i knew that right and i've gone on to simultaneously my vpn started crapping out and then i could actually see the registrant details i'm like what why can i see this i shouldn't see this <laughs> i was like i wonder and it's like that i always get that i wonder moment like what can i do with it like yep. that that kind of thing Light bulb yeah yeah it's like i love figuring shit out and i'll sit there for hours doing it it's like a complete time sink but yeah i sat there for hours just figuring it out and i looked at the code and like realized that essentially there was a php um script happening and some other functions that were going on and if you was to intercept or stop that function from happening or cause some sort of like delay which it did with the vpn crapping out it would then stop that script from running in the back end which would then go to the database and what they've done is essentially every time somebody had visited a website, it would then 
have this call out to the database and wipe that bit of information rather than going into the database and like redacting everything they were writing a script to do that which made no sense whatsoever <laughs> so i was like i don't know what was happening on the back end in the database part i didn't get to see that part so maybe there was something else where it just depending on the kind of user say if it was like somebody i don't know government or whatever they might yeah. have some different type of access or see something different um <clears throat> but essentially for me as a normal user going on the site if i could stop that that method from happening um i could then see those details so i was like this isn't right because gdpr says that that shouldn't be happening what am i going to do about it so i sat the whole night and wrote a script which would then do it automatically um and it would also scrape down the information for proof of concept purposes i must add <laughs> of course. and it was only for uh the security industry the physical security industry because i figured out what I could do is if I go to every physical security industry that I know, I could visit their site and remove their information by visiting their page before somebody else comes along and scrapes their information when they find this out themselves. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to protect the people that I know. And that's like, I can't protect everyone. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna <clears throat> just send these requests, do that. And then I knew <clears throat> straight away I, I could stop that. I could invoke that uh, redaction and mm -hmm. I could also show my proof of concept how I could stop it from happening as well. Send that over. Um, and basically, it got sat on for a while. It then went into the abyss of a bug bounty programs. Um, yeah. Uh, it went into the abyss. It was sat there for a while. And then I was chasing it, I was chasing it, I was chasing it. And essentially what happened was um, there was an issue within their own system that essentially if the uh, company like did not respond back it would then get shelved and put in a not responsive channel okay but mm -hmm. the problem was with that if they ever did become responsive or i was sending messages and chasing it up it was muted no yeah. one would see anything and i was like the hell like i kicked off <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i kicked <laughs> off i was like this is stupid so i wrote a report and just like said how like stupid it was and how they should improve that and it shouldn't be done like this and you know me being super anal but i was like it's not fair on researchers because you're putting me off right now in this minute because of the way that this has been handled but they did resolve it they were brilliant they were absolutely brilliant about it they said yeah no actually you've got a point and we're sorry that this happened you know obviously it's happened by accident or wherever else and so they changed the methodology around that but interestingly enough, going back to um, <clears throat> and um, they, they went ahead and they fixed the problem. Um, I never got any bug bounty for it, and that's fine. <laughs> I also didn't get any recognition for it, and that's fine. They also said it wasn't a problem, and that's fine. And they also went and fixed it, and that's fine. And that is all I can say on that situation. <laughs> but that, that, that well, that's kind of, rough, though. Well, that's... <laughs> That sums up what, what kind of happened at the end there. Because I was just like, okay, fine. So, you know, it's a world of pain when you're a researcher, I think, because I, I in that instance, I looked at the uh, Wayback Machine and looked at when they changed it. And it was definitely when I told them about it. And it, it wasn't a problem. Right, okay. And they've just sat on it, yeah. You don't, because yeah. we all go around, like, fixing problems that don't exist. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. you, you know what? The answer to that problem is just be like, okay, thank you, granted. 
we'll get on it, we'll fix it. And that stops a whole world of pain for and someone I, who then takes it. I actually hate that about companies in general, bug bounties or pen tests yeah. or anything really, they'll fix problems that don't exist. But to answer your question, Dave, we technically do solve problems that don't exist. That's what pen testing is. We find problems <laughs> and we problems. find we create problems <laughs> that never existed and we find solutions for them. <laughs> And then we get paid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? I mean, I haven't really had any chance or time to do any bug bounty in all CTFs, and I do like doing it when I'm at cons and that kind of thing. Um, but I kind of like discovered that maybe it wasn't the thing for me um, because you have to, I guess, have a lot of patience. And I learned some really good skills from it, though. You know, um, and but like during the same time obviously because the, the physical side of the security when i did my talks i went through a whole range of rfid hacks so and also like um security systems building management systems um cctv cameras and dvr boxes seems to be my kind of like little forte and the thing that i like to do but um essentially when i was doing my talks i was exploring more of the iot world and um physical cyber systems and uh kind of teach myself around that been on some courses for it um, I'm currently doing um, some other stuff within ICS and um, training around that. There is um, interesting work for sure, but it kind of like I had obviously my website, but I also have like my researcher side where I like figuring stuff and getting hands on and hardware hacking. So, um, and I guess that's probably what people might know me a bit more for these days is because I've run workshops and stuff. So yeah, I, I know you from, I think, two talks I've seen you at over the kind of last year, two years. Um, the DVR one uh, was certainly one of them. Uh, I think you did that for Glasgow DEF CON, actually. It know. was, yeah. Um, I, think, I think it was. Yeah, super interesting. Um, because the one of the first stories I heard um, when I was speaking to researchers, like when we keep talking about it, but when I was down at SteelCon, it was all about like IoT devices, like stuff you can buy off of Amazon that has like default admin passwords, <laughs> like yeah. and the documentations like suggesting to set up a port forward, like and nothing about changing passwords. Um, and like, I think that really opened me up to like the shit's going on on Amazon's products. Obviously, now mm-hmm. a couple of years later, I know way better that of course it is. Like they don't give a shit <laughs> for a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting to see that because that's something I want to kind of segue into later down the line is uh, yeah. taking stuff apart that people are buying on mass. Like and with the IoT culture, where everything's yeah. going to be connected I, like that. IoT I mean, is just uh, shooting fish in a barrel though when it comes to security vulnerabilities. Realistically, like they are twenty-year-old <laughs> vulnerabilities that are appearing on brand new technology. Well, say brand new technology, yep. brand new yeah. like devices and ideas that are using ridiculously old technology but i have hoped i got asked this the other day um they're like what do you think about like the future of iot and stuff i genuinely have hope i think but there's also it's a double-edged sword what does the s in iot stand for (laughs) fair one fair one i'm not saying that there's ever going to be like a hundred percent solution to the problem there never will be there'll always be devices and they'll always be breakable right but the, the thing is that I find is, is quite amusing and I'm going to be really interested in seeing what happens is that you've got a lot of standardization coming out now. So you've got people like DCMS, they're, they're doing like, you, know, you have your 13 principles of, of consumer security for devices. You also then have other government organizations and standards groups who are coming out with now 
best practices in development of these devices. Um, so what happened is now is when they leave the shop floor, they would be built to a certain standard for them to get certification or to be able to be mass produced and sold. Um, and that happens, I think that will probably happen a lot more in certain areas where it's desperately needed. Um, you know, like your medical, your, your kind of like, like your critical devices. And we're already seeing an element of that where you've got stuff like from Siemens, uh, they've got like an internet industrial gateway with a Kaspersky OS and they're saying that it's quite secure. And, you know, the thing is, and it's something I brought up. Um, so I had to run a workshop at the World Economic Forum uh, last week and we had a discussion afterwards and some of the Siemens guys were there and I'm like, yeah. And I also had, it was so funny, I had Siemens there and I also had NIST there. And I'm like, yeah, let's talk about this. I was like, so you do realise that the standardisation and you, you have these secure devices, okay, brilliant. But you do know that if you go around and claim that these devices are secure, it's like a red flag to hackers and security researchers. And... So the life cycle begins because we'll see something and we've already seen it online. And we're like, yeah, our shit's secure. And the next thing you get someone be like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. It's Twitter's so, a dumpster fire at the best of times, but I just love it when you see someone like sometimes like Cyber Gibbons or he's a like, there's a oh, bunch he's of people he's on a there. Prick. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> there's a bunch of these he's people. No, I, I, I've got a lot of time for Tina. I used to work with him, but yeah, he's he, he is... He just takes targets and stuff. He is a shit stirrer. Like, <laughs> honestly, he's someone I'd like to get on the podcast <laughs> at some point. He's fucking hilarious. I've got so much time for Tierney. He should. He should I think he's looking he's at brilliant. which three words is what, it? What three uh, words? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what three words? I no wonder. Like uh, his research has been fantastic about that, and it's gotten really in the public eye. Uh, but yeah, there's loads <laughs> of people that will just take aim at things that are claim to be they're unhackable, unbreakable, and like, yeah, why tempt them? Why? I know, oh, well, the thing is, it's going to happen, and you know what, I'm an advocate of it, I think we should be able to do um, a lot more of that, we should work in partnership, and they should, the company should create a, a safe environment for researchers to go to them and say, hey, you have got a problem with your stuff, and you know, I think there's a lot more of that happening now at a higher level from what I've seen, but I think it needs to filter down to the smaller companies, I guess we're finding these problems in still. Um, it'll be an interesting time for this actually because mm. uh, I think there's now like, uh, a call for like research on changing the computer misuse act kind of there's there's some yeah. wheels in motion in that regard like and I think whatever they do there will have quite an impact on how researchers deal with companies when they find vulnerabilities because mm -hmm. I mean it could go either way like they make could put provisions in there to make it easier like um or they could go pretty draconian with it and make it even more difficult. Um, I'm reading about one person, again, just on Twitter. I can't remember his name, I wish I could. Uh, but he's currently getting sued by a company that he'd just, just he found some data sitting online. Mm -hmm. He's taken a copy of it. Um, and the company are basically saying that he's hacked them. And it's like, no, that's not what's happened. That's a well-known yeah. security researcher that's getting punished for doing a really good job and notifying them of something. I've had it as well. Um, so I had a company yeah. like turn around and say that to me. I'm like, uh, no, actually, here's my credentials. Here's who I work for. I'm looking at your system because you're actually in one of the the shortlist for a procurement contract, and I'm, I'm vetting you basically. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, here's an NDA. You must sign the NDA. You can't talk about it. What you found? I'm like, what? Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> No. Do what I want. <laughs> no. The thing is, I'm like, 
why would you it was it was almost like a shift change of like they felt immediately threatened and therefore and i hadn't even put it across like that i was like well no and 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 the case was like um yeah the nda and everything else i was like well and at the same time they were still offering a gold and they're like the carrot on the stick they're like hey well you know what we can offer you like a year's worth of free services if you still sign up to our stuff for your uh, for your client i'm like uh no how no. about i you go fix your stuff and i'll go find somebody else who doesn't treat how researchers many, uh, like that how many other ndas have been signed from other researchers finding <laughs> stuff in your chain i mean hardly uh most confident that, i mean that that topic in general finding bugs in products that you're like screening uh one, one of my late friends uh, paul mason unfortunately passed away last year uh him and i were working for working towards a talk that we we're going to give in amsterdam in 2015 at hack in the box and we were testing out project management software so oh, we need to find something we're gonna we're gonna test something so we, we found this piece of mm-hmm. software and straight away, I was like, "Dude, this is ridiculously vulnerable." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, but we can't hack the things." I was like, "No, of course we can. Like, we're going to be sharing uh, pretty sensitive research data on this this platform. So we want to. This was before the likes of Slack and all this we were talking about. Um, we want to. We want to find something useful. The first thing we did was we dropped our research in, and it triggered a remote code execution bug. And I was like, "Well, we're not fucking using this platform." <laughs> so we tried to report to the company. The company was like, "Oh yeah, you know, we're we're secure. We've had a pen test." And I'm like, "Can we see the pen test report?" They're like, "No, no, no. You need to sign an NDA." And I'm like, "No, that's not how this works, guys. Like, we've literally found this bug. Like, fucking fix it or tell us that you've you know about it." And they're like, "No, no. We've had a pen test. Turns out they'd had somebody who'd run Nessus against one IP." Yeah. Not not a pen test, but yeah. But going back to the NDA thing, yeah, loads of come. I've had stuff in the past where I've reported things to people from a bug bounty perspective and a non bug bounty perspective, and they're like, "Oh yeah, send an NDA," and I'm like, "Why? Like, what what are you achieving out of this? Because I can't tell anyone that you're not going to fix a bug that I'm going to tell you about it. No, fuck off. What you're gonna What you're gonna do? What you're gonna do? And then they do something. And do you're you, like, oh shit. <laughs> do you know what? I wouldn't even mind signing an NDA. I so. I think to be a researcher, you have to have that level of patience, but you also have to have a level of resilience and being able to work with yourself in complete isolation, not speak to people about stuff. And that can hurt. It can really hurt because especially when you, it's the attitude, I think, in this regard for me, when when it's the way they come across when they say about the NDA, you can just see the tone. Um, It's quite offensive towards researchers. Um, It's that kind of, that thing hurts me, you know, I'd never, you know, I know about stuff and never repeat it, you know, I, it's just in my instinct not to. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, you have to be a tough old cookie to do research full time. And I might take my hat off to anyone who does it like um, for a full time living, um, specifically within um, web or uh, IoT, for example, <laughs> hardware hacking, because they're a little bit more aggressive, I think, sometimes. Um, but I mean, going back to um, sort of like my journey for a minute, the stuff that I do now is kind of like built on um, that kind of journey, I guess. Um, when I uh, the start of COVID happened, and by this time I'd done all my talks, I've done loads of workshops, I've kind of like taught myself an awful lot about. Um, IoT and hacking and the I, I really do like stuff that I can hold in my hands and I can rip apart and I've always been like that I find it deeply therapeutic and it was a lot easier for me it came a lot more natural to me than considering I did 
a shit ton of time doing web dev and web hacking and that kind of stuff and understood that for some reason it just felt so much more natural it wasn't hard work when it comes to hardware for me um deeply therapeutic so i'd sit there on a friday night and i'd build stuff so i'd be on the, like these calls and my friends would all be getting drunk in the background chatting online and there's me on the camera and i'm like ripping apart something or building a robot or and that to me was really satisfying um so that's kind of like why i kind of transferred over more towards this side for my professional career now um mm. because i just I just have a love for it um but it's not as stressful either <laughs> I find it's not as stressful at all whatsoever she says um but yeah so i i literally at, at the to get back on track the start of covid hit um i was already kind of like i guess considering my options going forwards because i was coming up to the end of i've done my job covid hit um, I was really thankful on the fact that we managed to get the company up and transferred over and everything sorted for them because when COVID hit for them, because they were, you know, operating in the architecture that they were, they were able to remote work so easily and it was just straightforward and they were like, no, that's awesome. You know, we don't, we saw physical security firms shut down overnight because of it, um, whereas they could still keep on the, the, the lights on and keep on going. However, the physical security industry got hit really hard, especially because you've got no travel, you've got um, no, no gigs, a lot, no clubs, nothing yeah, really, no events, yeah. yeah. So, and we weren't really involved in the sort of like let's say the the low echelons and that, that kind of stuff. It was more the the international businessmen traveling and the executives and royals and all that kind of jazz. And yeah, they have their private jets and whatever else. And it continued for a while, but as soon as they start stopping flights and um, there goes the clientele. Yeah. Yeah, so we could see it happening. So, um, you know, really thankful for working for those guys. And I learned a massive, massive amount um, in terms of my capabilities and how like project management works. And, you know, when you're working for someone who's like um, involved in the military, they have their own ways of doing things, put it that way. Um, and everything's efficient and streamlined. and. Um, I'm like (laughs) regimented is the word so I'm quite regimented in my ways so when I went into my new job um I I started doing sit wraps and they're like what are these and I'm like well it's it's a briefing right I give you a a once a week briefing or a daily briefing what do you want like I'd like give you it's like off (laughs) we used to laugh at work used to be like off the off the back of a fag packet kind of like rundown of the day Um, but like this sort of like um way is it's in a uh uh a, a format where you have a report it's a one pager someone can read it they know what you've done or where we're at with some, something and i guess the military guys are kind of quite used to having those situational briefings ever so often so it's kind of and they, my mom was like oh my god this is amazing it's like <laughs> why can we get like 20 of you it's just like <laughs> it's just like um like my my like spreadsheet skills are second to none sometimes and like project management gantt charts all that biz oh, and god done you get stuck on powerpoints i know i know oh, i love kanban though Gan- kanban <laughs> boards are good i've got a lot of time for kanban boards yeah um, and as you can tell i've definitely stepped into management um <laughs> so yeah i'm uh, really grateful for those guys i learned an awful lot um but the situation with covid i wanted to then had this like inner yearning that I'd spent all this time within information security and it's probably like within the scene, infosec scene for at least 
I don't know, a fair few years, probably at least five years at that point, if not more. Um, yeah, we were probably about seven years, I guess, within the scene and had built in friends and been to all these competitions and CTFs and everything and like, had a real thirst for it. And I was doing it professionally, but not in the way that I wanted to do it. It wasn't anything to do with IoT. It wasn't anything to do with hardware. Um, I could do stuff, yes, to the physical security guys, but the opportunity of being able to do that at any point was gone over, overnight with COVID. Um, so I was like, right, what can I do? And at the same time, they were like, um, aspect-wise, it's okay if, if you want to leave and you want to start looking. You've done your job here. It's absolutely fine. you know. And there will come a time where... You know, we can always work together in the future. Um, they're really chill. They were like, um, they were like, awesome. they were like we're not you crying, you're crying, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I basically, I, I said to them, you know, and it came around the same time as another opportunity got offered to me. And uh, Andy knows all about that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, to give, to give a little bit of background, I'm not going to dive too much into it. Well, I won't dive into personal stuff at all, but Chrissy and I used to, we still speak pretty frequently, but for a period of time, I think it was last summer we were speaking on a daily basis yeah. for uh, fucking voice messages to and throw for hours on end. <laughs> There'd yeah. be times where I'd wake up and Chrissy would sent me like six or seven like voice messages that were like 20 minutes long. I'm like, well, this is mid-morning. <laughs> <laughs> Stitch yeah. them together for we, a podcast. We, like we're... Yeah, no, 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 no. Last snippets, mate. <laughs> Never to be repeated. It's so funny. Uh, we went through, a, I'd say, together we went through a, a layer of pain, didn't yep. we, mate? Um, during COVID level mm-hmm. one, um, version one, because I was trying to, I had job offers and I was going for it. And it was, I had to go from a safe place into something I wasn't feeling so safe about, I think. Yeah. That's you know, challenge. and it is, and you're making your hobby into your life career as well. It's a scary prospect. Um, but anyway, so I was going to go and work for a firm. I got offered, I handed in my notice, then I got let down, and then I was like, shit, um, what am I going to do? So then I put a post out on Twitter just randomly to see what was coming up, what was about, because obviously quitting in the middle of COVID is probably not the brightest idea in the world, right? um uh, and you know <laughs> i was like i know i'll get something it'll be fine you know i've i've worked on the doors before I, i'm pretty sure i can go and do you know i've done all sorts of jobs man it's just like i'll go and wash dishes if i have to if i have to i'll go graft and i, I don't care um so i put a tweet out on twitter and it is random as hell as as you know universe happens um my now boss um saw that tweet and i had a uh, a message come into my inbox as well as some others and i had some really good like ones actually i was really surprised um some of the other ones wouldn't fit because of i like to work, work from home and i also didn't want to have to go and travel halfway across the country because i live in a really nice place of the world um so i didn't want to do that so that kind of limited it but there the, the offer was there i had a chat with him and we are like our interview was on discord it was like pretty chill mm-hmm. it was really funny and he'd looked into me and sort of like my background and stuff that i did and i kind of made it quite clear i was like look i i, I definitely want to go and work in hardware hacking now that's kind of like where i want to go and i was waiting on another offer from another big um uh corp or firm whatever you want to call it and but they were the problem was it was like the hiring freeze was on 
and I think quite a few people maybe listening would understand what that's like when during COVID and they had the hiring freeze and you're just like you're caught in limbo and you're like which job do I go for now because of like you you want to kind of go for something and they're like yeah we'll have you but we can't at the moment because they're so it's, it was quite a complex situation to be I in. know one person who probably listens to the podcast actually I'm not going to mention them by name but uh, it was in this exact scenario like they've been grinding away like you know, ever since I started like I read their blog uh, so I was really you know looking forward to them kind of hitting that success and uh, just at the end of their uni degree um, yeah job offers kind of like yeah we're interested but we just can't right now like and that's such a kick in the balls like it really, uh, it really is. is it really is um, so yeah I, I had the interview I mean um, the original job that they offered me wasn't um, it was to work in managed cyber defence and yeah. to work in the stock environment. And I was like, yeah, cool. Do you know what? Um, I need stability in my life. That's what I need right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I am self-employed. I have been for quite some time and I'd, I kind of wanted to get back to being in a secure environment in the fact that I had a pension. I had to pay at the end of the month. I didn't have yeah. to bounce between clients and do different things and spin plates and go and do talks. And, you know, I, I just wanted uh, some normality again, especially with the pandemic on. Um, so I did the sensible thing and I was like, well, yeah, OK, you know, sure, we'll do that. Um, it kind of worked out to my favour because... Even though I, I wanted to do hardware hacking and IoT hacking or be involved within that scene of, of things, I thought, you know what, I can do that in my spare time. I've been doing, that's what I've been doing all along. And I'm pretty sure, you know, because it's such a big company that I was, I was going to be working for, um, he said, you know, obviously we don't, you know, we don't have um, direct ways for you to kind of like get into that right now, but I'm pretty sure in the future we'll be able to do something so I could transition across into an interest area so I was like okay cool that's fine that's fair enough and then I spoke to the HR woman oh my god she's amazing um but she's got her finger on the pulse and she knows everything and there was also other things going on so they ended up said look listen there's been a change of plan we're going to go and talk internally about this um and she she looked at my CV and she looked at my skills I had a cracking call with her she was from Liverpool um and she's fantastic really down to earth and uh, it even is as much as of like my asking salary and stuff like that and she advised me on that and she's like oh, and what I wanted to do she's like oh no 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 honey <laughs> this is what I've got planned for you <laughs> and she's all like um, this is what we're going to do this week you're going to go and like by the time you're 40 I want you on like 100k I want you doing this I want you doing that and I'm like yeah cool she's really inspiring and it's it's nice to have that okay. Um, someone really got your back there like that's yeah, yeah she's a phenomenal uh hr woman and um big respect to her man the um the good thing is um it took a little bit more time so the the thing was i had to wait but something else might come up uh in terms of uh more suited to my background in the end i had to wait a little bit more longer and it was fine because what i did is i if anyone follows my twitter or speaks to me knows that i love my diy like with a oh, passion so, so many so many stories like, i mean going back to our, our conversations <laughs> last summer like there's, there'd be times where chris is like i'm just like knocking down a wall and i'm like what the fuck like all right yeah no bother I'm like cool or i'm duct taping a window back together because i might have done some shit yeah it's cool no bother or destroying a shed like 
<laughs> this is true. I, I built my own yeah. desk, um, like a big nice. desk that goes around my room, which I absolutely love. Um, I landscaped my garden. I sort of did phase one last summer. I'm going to do phase two this summer and build my. Like, I've got decking out there at the moment. I need to put down. Um, I'm, I'm a real like DIY. I put it that way. Um, so yeah. So I spent the time doing my house up a bit. And then um, I, I got a, a message to her and she's like, right, okay, well, what we want you to do is we want you to work in um, IoT and OT, um, or, um, or it's sold to me as IoT security. And I'm like, what, really? I was just like, literally, it, all my horses came in at once. I was just like amazed. I was just so happy. Um, so basically what I do now is I'm, a, my official title-ish is IoT and OT uh, research and development lead um, for um, and I sit under cyber threat operations but I also within managed cyber defense but I also I work across the board so I'll work with our advisory guys who do a lot of like the compliance and the governance and um, you know maturity assessments in OT and that sort of stuff but then I, I also work in doing research and development in terms of I don't do any of the governance whatever I give them the technical insight so I am a techie to the core and I mm -hmm. love it and I, oh, okay. I, I love being hands-on. Like I have my own lab. I have uh, everything I'd want in a job, right? Um, I have. I had a team for like three months of my grads, and I'd say that that's probably been the best bit that I've had in my job so far. Um, I'm only like I think nearly nine months in, and having those group of guys working with me has been fantastic. And I'll get back to that. But um, essentially, what I do now is I research and I develop services in terms of I have to go away and understand all the clients infrastructure within like IOT and OT different environments whether it be medical industrial critical natural infrastructure all, all these like random weird and wonderful environments and it's fascinating and I just get to figure it all out and problem solve and just all things right back down to the like core pieces and then you know understand take a deep dive on on the devices and learn about the devices and think okay well how do we secure this infrastructure where do we put the tools in where do we take the pcaps out um who do we need to speak to you know because you you need to speak to like a multidisciplinary team when you're, you're speaking to a client it's not just your it guys it's not just your security guys you need to speak to your process engineers you need to speak to the guy on the floor who's actually like uh, like working with the field devices and um it's it's really cool i'm loving it because i'm learning so much you know um i don't by any means claim to be an expert at this shit yet nor will i ever and um <laughs> <coughs> one of the things that um i was listening to a course the other day and the guy said he he loved working in um industrial environments and sort of like that physical cyber systems environments because he's yet to even touch every device that's out there possible because within it you have like this amount of manufacturers but when it comes to um operational technology or even iot you can that's tenfold that you know it's never ending there's different product manufacturers for the software the, the applications the actual hardware the the networking equipment it, it's just it's so diverse um so it keeps life really interesting um so yeah so that's that's kind of like the longer explanation. <laughs> I guess without going into detail, it's really kind of difficult. I'd say you might do, especially uh, when you get taken out current affairs, like because uh, yeah, just the nature of us. So the we, we the work jobs in, that all of our we guests work in do. security. <laughs> it's a pretty 
confidential industry and we yep. can't all yeah. talk about everything we do in our day job we can talk around about it but enough about the day job i mean yeah. we've 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 talked a lot about bits and pieces i think that wait, we could talk for hours i think it's great but i want to know two two more things about you what do you apart from okay. the technical stuff chrissy what do you do to kind of unplug and like decompress um so we all know about my diy uh, <laughs> and smashing stuff up and building things um i also just bought an oculus quest which has been so good so much fun um in fact um you've actually helped me on that journey because i had to rebuild my pc um that's a story for another day <laughs> but <laughs> essentially andy sent me a pc it got broken in the post had to then go and rebuild uh, and buy any other parts so i now have a lovely pc I, i'm very proud of by the way that's got a, a fantastic graphics card thanks to andy and i didn't didn't have to go through the pain of waiting for one of those because uh, they're like gold dust at the moment um so i do the oculus quest stuff but i do that for like the beat saber i love doing that but i also like doing tribe dj so i did spend a bit of time in my 20s as a dj um and and that was on like my weekends and stuff like that and so i i like mixing stuff so yeah. i'll spend time doing that just to plug so i'll normally do that like on a friday night and i'm, I'm just putting the setup together so i can actually do streaming um because I have discovered within the whole like infosec conference scene there's a lot of synthwave music a lot of cyber house music like mm -hmm. or house music and that's fine but where's all the dirty drum and bass like <laughs> to be seen right <laughs> i love my liquid drum and bass my jungle i'm just like yeah. so I, I love it you know it's and the perfect coding music let's be honest like, yeah. Just, like, yeah when you're in the zone you're well, focused there, there's, like, two, I, there's nothing i enjoy more than a bit yeah there's two types of music that i listen to quite frequently one is drum and bass and two is heavy metal and both are equally great for coding too like yeah. Or they're both just driving, like, uh, yeah. constant beat, like, regulated. Or, like, when, when you've oh, got, the, I mean, the, the best music ever to listen to when you're sending a fishing campaign in is the Doom, the Doom soundtrack. <laughs> just just rip, rip and tear, just running through as you're waiting for clicks to come in. It's just, it's just tremendous. No, no, in my yeah. head, like, if I'm doing that, I want to be listening to, like, some, uh, a piano concerto no, by, like, No, 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 you want to get, you Mozart, get your heart rate like, elegant, over, like, 200 like, BPM, just, like, I want people to click on my uh, link and run my payload, and then when it runs, you're just like, yeah, and then you chuck Taylor Swift on, because it's just great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am partial to a bit of 80s music, I must admit. Um, I mean, I love the um, Atomic Blonde soundtrack, that is absolutely oh, what fantastic film. what a great film oh yeah that that's that that's a that was one of my soundtracks that got me through 2018 for sure i listened to that on repeat and it just almost instantly gets my mind in a totally different manner of, of being able to work in um mm -hmm. it's my rabbit hole music um so yeah what else do i do well it's a bit annoying because i don't have like with covid and everything i used to love traveling and exploring so when i used to go and do these talks um a couple of things I'd go and do. I'd go to a local museum by myself because uh, I like I like traveling by myself. And then I'd also go for a massage. And I know that sounds really shady, but when I travel, my back gets really bad. And I, I anyone that <laughs> travels knows that. To <laughs> yeah. like, I can understand hundred percent why you're going for a um, massage on the travel. Massages yep, are great. So... I mean, the, the, the best massage. If you ever get the chance, there's the Radisson Blue in Norway in uh, Oslo. Best massage I've ever had. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, there's a, where is it? Oh, Austria. Is it Austria? Yeah. Um, Vienna. Um, 
I went there and I jumped in the taxi. Now I asked a woman behind the counter, is there a massage place anywhere in that around? And she she um, gave me the, the name of a couple of them, but a lot of them were all fully booked and I wanted one that afternoon because my back and my head, because I still get uh, the few odd bits of like problems with my uh, conditions and stuff flare up, especially with traveling with heavy bags and stuff. And then I just picked out one. Anyway, I booked myself in, I jump in a taxi and the guy's guy looks at me and he said, oh, I'm like, okay. And he's like, y you do know this is a massage place, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm going. And then he starts <laughs> chuckling to himself. And, he, and I'm like, why are you laughing? And he's like, it's one of them kind of places. And I'm like, well, do they do normal massages? And he's like, yes. I'm like, right, get me there. Then it's fine. I can deal with that. Right? So we go in and there's like a line of men's shoes at the door, like outside. The, I must add, like, there isn't any seedy ending to this story. The woman was... Fantastic. She was um she gave me a Thai massage, I think it was, and completely like bent up on my back and everything. Brilliant though, absolutely brilliant. So the one in uh, Austria is quite good, Andy. Returning the recommendation, of course. Um Yeah, so do that. Oh gosh. Um what else do I do? Do you know what? I haven't done stuff for a while. It's actually you just get into your own little ha hermit world, don't you? Um, 100%. Yeah. I was nearly yeah. late for this podcast, just deploying a VPN. Like, and I'm not going to lie, like, if Andy hadn't messaged me, like, I'd probably just been in that zone, just like stuck doing that thing like yeah. <laughs> for the rest of the night. Like, uh, I mean, apart from going out on the lash with my family or my sisters and that, which never used to happen very often, you know, I'd go out with the kids quite a lot. Um, I love spending time. I've got two of the most amazing children. I won't call them children because they're... Like I, was, I was just now. I was just chatting um, to one of them right there, and he, he was like, Are "You coming online?" Uh, I was like, "I'm chatting to your mom right now," and he was like, "Fuck, what have I done?" I'm like, ah, "Don't worry." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hi, son. If you're listening, <laughs> um, yeah, no, he messaged me as well. He's like, "Enjoy the podcast tonight," and it's so amusing because um, it, you know what? It, it's fantastic having uh, a, a son in industry because um, it we can relate he's like one of my best yeah. friends we we so people like us what do i do in my spare time i hang out with like a bunch of 20 to 30 year old <laughs> hackers in an evening i'm like I, i'm probably regressing as i get older and we like last night fuck andy <laughs> like, last night for example i come in and you guys were all like all different versions of, uh, so we're on the discord channel and everyone's changed their their logo like the, the icon and their name to a version of windows or an application of windows so we had people they called like powerpoint um word sway um it, microsoft 365 all this sort of stuff and they're like uh, so there's a running joke with me right i do have my moments where i'm incredibly slow because i don't go on the internet and check twitter all that often so they call me ie or edge because i'm i'm a bit slow right <laughs> So naturally, of course, of course. I'm, I'm going in and I'm like, and they're like, oh, Morgan, like, change yourself. So now I've got a logo as Edge and had to change myself. It was quite, it was so funny. I don't know why they do stuff like that. Well, but the, God, the reason it came up is because I was, to, I, I did my first shit post in a while on Twitter. I mean, I shit post every day, but I, for, for, the, for those that are not in the, in the no uh, CTI is just Excel. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, Bush, I'm pretty sure Bush loved that. He did, yeah. He? You can't can't go a minute without saying uh, CTI. Yeah, for for those for those listeners yeah. that don't know, Bush Bushido UK on Twitter, uh, mass massive massively into the cyber threat intelligence scene, but can't go a minute without saying CTI. 
He's a brilliant yeah. kid. Uh, I shouldn't call him a kid, sorry. He's, he's a child. <laughs> um, he's, he's one of my server children. I am like, yeah. Server children? Yeah, like, it's, God, that it's not so bad. No, so like, unofficially, so what happened? Right, there's a story Morgan. behind this, okay. Mother Morgan, yes, I am Mother Morgan. Uh, there is a story behind this. So when I first came into industry, uh, myself and also my son did some time later, um, I used to bring him to conferences with me. You know, he was very young. But he's super talented, has been like a prodigal child since he was stupidly young. And um, he was into tech and all sorts of stuff. And I tried to get him into hacking years back um, when he was young. And he was like, no, mom, that's your thing. You know, I'm not interested. You do you. I'll do me. I'll go back to my gaming and that. And I was like, oh, fine, fine. Anyway, it turns out later on, I was right, of course. Um, he got, he's got into doing stuff and he's incredibly good, you know. Um, and I've got, you know um higher hopes for him in the future but we came into industry and for my protection and for his protection um we didn't tell anyone that he was my son um we do kind of look similar but we don't look exactly the same so we could get away with it and people used to just assume i was like a mentor or like an auntie or something because i look really really quite um alternative um Yes, <laughs> I'm covered in tattoos and I, and I swear like a pirate and got crazy curly hair. Um, <laughs> and I had him very young as well. So I had him at like just turned 16. Um, so to look at me, you wouldn't think I was his mum because he looks quite old. You know, he's got the wrinkles. Old, old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <savage. laughs> he's going to absolutely kill me when he hears this. <laughs> But this is the kind of relationship we have and like it's really down to earth and they like rip the shit out of each other and just like roast each other and so we hang out online and anyway we used to hang out on discord um with our friends and stuff and no one knew for about uh 18 months up until a point where we then were both he was coming to defcon with me and we were sat on a train and we bumped into uh, a bbc radio 5 live presenter called nahal and he was like chatting to us uh my son started talking to him and they got on really well finding out about what we're doing and who we are and he, he found us fascinating he was like oh my god i can't believe like you guys you're just amazing can you come on to our show like i'd love you to come on and do a segment so we ended up going out to defcon having a, a brilliant time for two weeks and then came back and then 44 con happened and on the same day we had to i had to go and give my workshop so i gave a workshop on um RFID hacking and um, after which we then went to the BBC studios and we gave an hour long interview where he was finding out about us, the community, about events like 44Con, about our thoughts on cybersecurity and like what we can do to help um, and he was also asking about our sort of like relationship. So we told everyone all our like, friendship group, yeah we're going to be on BBC Right 5 right live, you need to like tune in and listen to it. Mm. And he drops a bombshell that I'm his mum on air. <laughs> so we told the whole of Infosec, <laughs> along with like 10 million other listeners, all at the same time. And we sat there just laughing <laughs> our heads off. In <laughs> like, we're like, this is going to be good. This is like the best hack of all time. Do you know what I mean? We walk back into 44Con to a row of people with fucking surprise faces. They're like, shit that's your mum? Like, <laughs> it was just hilarious. They just couldn't get their head it. If you're um, going to fuck your up sick, then, I mean, that's the way to do it. On <laughs> I know, you're going to do it, do it in style, right? And do it in style. Yeah, yeah. no, it was amazing because the, the good thing is what they done then. 
because obviously people that knew I had a son in InfoSec, um, they've all kind of like hurried around and sort of like, so now if, if anyone says, oh, who's my son, they're all my son. Um, and they all call me mum. And it's <laughs> like, kind of like, oh, Mother Morgan, not mum, Mother Morgan, but it was like a running joke sort of thing. And it's nice, do you know what I mean? Because then it's, you know, we don't keep it a secret too much. We've kind of like got it out there now and people are starting yeah. to know. But it's just like not shoving it in people's faces because we're just both very private people anyway. It's um, such an awesome, unique story though. Like, and it really, really is. Like, I can't imagine there's many other people out there in the world. Maybe none. Nah, I don't there, know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know quite a few people who are relation either mother or father in, in industry uh, it's mm. it's definitely a thing but it, I suppose it must oh, be yeah. common because at the end of the day you're growing up seeing you doing all this cool awesome stuff granted I'm sure like most uh, kids probably don't like when they look at themselves like oh well, I don't want to be a clone of my parents but when you're doing such cool and relevant stuff like it must have been I, I think it will get more I think there'll be a lot more there'll definitely yeah. be a lot more because I used to do um run um hardware hacking like well not hardware hacking but electronics with my daughter so my daughter is very talented with electronics like she could pick up pcb circuits electronics do stuff with arduinos and everything else just so naturally like it's beautiful to see and I, like she taught me about it you know and um i think with them now doing more stuff at schools with raspberry pies and arduinos and that kind of stuff and having these like little hacker groups or like maker spaces i think we will see more of it where you have like mum and son or parent dad and daughter you know doing it, being in an industry together and i think that's you know a, a beautiful thing yeah, uh, it's a beautiful fair, thing yeah is, no, absolutely cool. like more of that story that you've just given us like uh can only be a good thing um, yeah 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 no definitely so yeah that's that's why um i've got him hitting me up on discord <laughs> and andy knows him as well because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's a good lad but yeah, um, on, yeah, on so, that yeah, note, that. I mean, we've, we, we, we're aiming for a 45 minute podcast and I think we're about to hit two hours. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I just want to want to ask you the, the, the last question, which we always ask our guests. Is there anything you'd like to plug to our audience? Oh, plug. Um, yeah. No. That's a difficult one. Um, it can be anything apart from stuff that's illegal or uh, yeah. Don't do crime. Yeah, don't do don't crime. Don't don't do crime. Hack all the things. Don't do crime. Um, I guess. I mean, I've 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 got my GitHub. I mean, I'm gonna be writing. So I've got. Um, I'm getting back on it again. So I took a year out of doing talking and workshops and stuff. I did a couple, but I I get. I only do the ones that I get asked to do. I don't do the ones. I don't do CFPs or any of that. Um, because I just don't have time for it. So, and I, I like to do the ones in the community, you know. So, I'm doing um, a, a, a workshop uh, or two coming up. So, I've got B Size Athens. Um, so, I'm going to do a, a video based one because it's a hybrid environment. Um, and that's going to be on firmware extraction and firmware reverse engineering as well. So, I'll be doing that um, coming up. Um, I have also been asked to do. Some stuff for leading cyber ladies, and that's Karen Erizade. She's running that as a, a, a brilliant organisation. Um, also on the whole ladies front, I'm a member of the London Ladies Hacker Society. They're a great bunch. Um, London Mafia. <laughs> They're awesome, <laughs> um, as I call them. Uh, and then probably I might do some stuff for B Size Tel Aviv as well. Um, I, I, my, one of my things I really wanted to do this year was. I do a talk for DEFCON um, for like one of the IoT security villages or something but 
you know what i got to speak at the world economic forum last week and that was pretty sick because i got to speak alongside rob lee from dragos ken monroe from hentes partners marie mo who hacked like medical stuff and so i'm like even the dude great who, who wrote the car hackers handbook and i'm like in this room with like all these amazing people about 70 people on like on the call as well and bo woods who i've got the greatest respect for so big shout out to him um, and I'm sat there and I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, that talk I did, I, I did around sort of like um, upping researchers' rights and sort of like trying to get exposures that not all hackers are bad. And you know what isn't hackers? It's, it's criminals that are, not hackers. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's the only thing I, I, I could plug. Um, um, <sighs> yeah, because I don't have a a book or like a product <laughs> or anything to sell. Like Andy here. Yeah, yeah, buy Andy's book. Yeah. It's free. Like, buy it's buy Andy's free. book. Go, go it's free. And, it's free now. Go, go and buy it for free. No, it, it's, it, yeah. actually, it actually surpassed I mean, 12,000 readers that day. It's pretty crazy. So. That's so, incredible. Yeah. There was an interesting question that you actually sent me over that I did want to yeah, answer. Yeah, go if for that's it. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me find it. So, what was it? It was. Um, I can read. I can read out the questions yeah, if you want. Through. You can find which one. Uh, no, what differences have you noticed in industry yes, since you started? Go for it. So that one there. Um, I've noticed the adoption of different mediums of social media. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because you're going to get like security, kind of like. On TikTok, you've got people doing TikToks around cybersecurity, which is great because then you've got a whole new different area of people who might not know about it, learning about cybersecurity. Um, you've got people who, are, you know, you've got all these different channels, I think. And I think COVID has been an amazing thing for the cybersecurity industry because it allowed so many people last year who may not have been able to go to DEF CON to actually attend and go to all these online events. So. I think it's done a really good thing and I miss everyone deeply as well. Um, you know, obviously we have Twitter. By the way, I'm just going to say hashtag Twitter is not Instagram, right? <laughs> just saying. Feel, feeling feeling oh, smart, might delete later. <coughs> yeah, hashtag feeling smart, might delete there. Yeah, so Andy, that is uh, something is what I've noticed. So when I came in into industry, um, I, I guess that the approach, maybe I never saw it. I don't know, but definitely the approach that I took was let my work do the talking and I respect anyone who does that as well. I think there's a lot of people on Twitter and it does silently rage me inside and to be fair, I've muted a lot of people now. I don't block you, I won't remove you, I'll just mute you and that's it. Because I've got nothing against you personally, it just it doesn't agree just with my... fucking annoying. My, <laughs> yeah. in a sense but it's just like i want to read about your work i don't want to see your selfies and i certainly don't want to see your boobs i think you'll find my boobs are everything fucking else class. just see andy your boobs are impeccable <laughs> <laughs> and, and your ginger hair darling but, and I, i'm trying to say this in the most non-offensive way it's but it's like offensive. Uh, aye, but it's like, and you know what, I am, body, I am body positive and I could agree with all that, but you seriously don't need to go to half the extremes that I'm seeing people do at the moment to get the likes and the follows, you know, just go out there, be humble, do good work and just do that, that's all you need to do because if you're watering down the, the quality of what our industry could do, you know, if you spent 
less time doing some of these like shit posts and I, I love a shit post but th that's the way I kind of like I have to find a name for it all really of, of how I see it but if you spend that time doing something productive like helping someone or researching a vulnerability instead of just putting aimless tweets and self-gratification of tweets as well like I don't care what you look like just show me your work you know there's a lot of egos like especially I'm, on things like better at right times yeah i'm trying to think of the phrase it's it's i was gonna say ego masturbation but it's not that it's like it's um <laughs> it's it's something else but it's, oh, word. no there's like a phrase there's like this is gonna like we, we were doing really well for it not being mental and now we've got the last couple of minutes <laughs> You know, we can always cut out the last three minutes when I like suddenly regret no. this and realise that I've completely offended half of Insect Twitter. I must apologise. I mean, for I mean, we'll, we'll you. offend. I don't mean it. If you take Fuck it personally, you. Uh. <laughs> or you can take the advice and you'll be better yeah. off for it. Well, yeah, no. I, <sighs> massaging the ego—that's the thing. Not masturbating the ego, massaging it. Massaging it, you know, it just because I'm a Buddhist as well, so we have to let go of that ego shit. And I don't know, I've sat here speaking about myself like for literally two hours and blow my own. No, 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 this is an ego cast, it's it's Ouija cast. Ego cast, that's an awesome one, but yeah, I just like, I guess that, um, it's just like my posts, if I do like a a post of myself on Twitter, it's generally taking the piss out of myself. So like, we've got pictures of me and my mates with like face masks on and just doing random shit. We've, or you've got like the the deep technical stuff where I've like got a board open and I'm, I'm doing stuff and I'm trying to explain something. You know, you have the power of all these followers uh, to teach people and to pass that knowledge on, you know, use it wisely. Um, that and encourage is, other people to come, come on board like, and not alienate. Definitely, definitely. And you know what? I, I've tried my best to... Oh, I didn't get to speak about my grads, and they're amazing. Um, you, can, you can say that they're amazing. But yeah, they are amazing. Guys, they're amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I took them through a whole uh, rookie program, an internal rookie program at work, and put them through the paces for three different talks, and did that over lunch times and got them prepared. But I'm so proud of them, and oh. I love working with that age group. They're just amazing. They're so got, like knowledge, like anything, and... I can't wait to see what they do. Um, you know what? And I'm still very much on my learning journey as well. Everyone. Um, I was going to say not. that yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is something. I don't want it to sound like No, I mean, this is something my boss has said to me. Oh, he nothing. said, the moment when you know everything, you know nothing. And it's true. Like, it, everyone yeah. is forever yeah. learning. Yeah. As we say, this isn't this isn't ego massaging. It's just like, people are fucking class. We, we, you're, you're fucking class. Thank, <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for us finally getting here after Dave's man flu and my illness and you've now got man flu again. I mean, fuck's sake, stop being ill, Dave. I know, you got man flu. However, good, however referring back to the first thing I said in the podcast, if you die, this is going to be the last audio recording of you, so... <laughs> Please don't die, Dave. I've got a we've, long, we've got long another thirty podcasts to do at least. Man, I want to get to fifty podcasts. Oh, that means I get to like thirty-five, dude. Like, come on, but wait, what? Ten, ten a year. Well, I've got, I've got loads of people I want to get on the podcast, yeah. and I, and people have been. I'll try and stay alive for you, Andy. Thanks, thanks Dave. Man. That'd be great. That would really, that would really masturbate my ego. On, uh, no, fuck. On that note. <laughs> oh God, Jesus! I'm, I, sh I shouldn't have said anything. I'm going to hell. Well, 
Chrissy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like, it just we've had so many great stories, like over the last couple of podcasts, of people that have really pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and went through really difficult circumstances, like, uh, and had absolute varied careers and still managed to come out on top. And I think for anyone that's going through a hard time, I think there's a lot of them over the last year mm. to hear these things, like, and to hear these journeys. I think are super invaluable. So thanks very much for sharing. And, in such detail like you were yeah saying. no thank you very much i mean that's i mean we, if i went into detail and told you the whole story we're probably here for another <laughs> two hours but we'll, yeah. we'll save that for another time but yeah part two. <laughs> yeah so no thank you so much for having me as well it's been a real pleasure and um yeah if anyone's like interested just in any of the stuff that i've said or want to learn uh, or want to know more about it just hit me up and get in contact and i'll happily share information because that's what we're here for right and uh, sharing I, I'm gonna say one thing before I go, and that's the only thing I'm gonna say. This is the first ever podcast that I've not said computer using on technical at all. It's great, <laughs> great. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening to Witchycast. This has been episode twenty, and we'll see you all. Well, we won't see you. you you'll hear us at some point. Cheers. Hopefully. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna click stop. <laughs> <laughs>